0: Yahoo Finance presents It's a Jungle Out There, the podcast where we take a wild approach to work and management.
1: The sound of a queen bee piping, a battle cry to any other queen bees in the hive to clear out. I'm Liana Brinded, head of Yahoo Finance UK. We've seen progress in the field of women in leadership, but Queen Bee Syndrome is still used to describe a style of female leadership that suppresses the rise of female colleagues. I may have broken the glass ceiling, but I'm not going to let anyone else through. Is the picture really that one-dimensional, or are there also other benefits to the Queen Bee mentality? Hello and welcome to this week's episode. Joining me today is Jana Koja bashalo Hilmer, and she is the Senior Lecturer, Department of Management Director at CAS Global Women's Leadership Program. And also joining me is Sinead Bunting. She's the Vice President of Marketing in Europe at monster.co.uk. So, hi, welcome, guys. Hello. Hello. Nice to have you. So this week we've got a very juicy topic. We're talking about bees and actually more specifically the role of a queen bee. So every hive has one. A well-run colony needs one. Um, but what would you say is the definition of queen bee in the workplace? Is it actually positive?
0: I think we can all agree that it's uh, not seen as very positive. And uh, the, the implications are that um, it's a woman who doesn't help other women and uh, feels a bit threatened uh, and has an army of men workers uh, and uh, it's rare for her to have another female in the, in the team that's my understanding of it so not you know, necessarily very positive.
2: I would agree with that I think it's rather negative and it is the woman who is alone there at the top and is trying to protect that space at any cost that's usually what people think about when we talk about queen bees.
1: Yeah, I mean, when I think about it, my instant thing is I think of those, you know, especially when I was younger, the, you know, women in the 80s with the big power suits, um, be as aggressive as guys, um, would be that one woman in power, but it was, you know, pretty nasty. Um, (laughs) But have we, to me, it seems that we have got, I suppose, further away from that stereotype, have we at all? Or is it just in a different kind of fashion sense, I suppose.
2: I think we have moved away a little bit. First of all, we do have more women at the top than the 80s. So we have more role models and therefore more variety. But the phenomenon of the queen bee hasn't really disappeared. It's still uh, quite prevalent. People understand what that means. Uh, So I guess we still are grappling with the issue of why is it really happening?
0: Yeah, I, I, I think um, it's a, a lot less as well. And uh, as, um, uh, as was said there, it's um, a case of there's more women there. And I think that the premise of the, the Queen Bee, um, thinking of why, why it is there, is this insecurity. And to me, it's like one in, one out. And that's the whole kind of thing, is that there can only be one woman. And um, in business, um, there is only typically one woman on the boardroom, if even, or one woman in the team. And uh, that token woman. So... To protect her, uh, you know, her kind of position. Um, whenever there's only allowed one, which is kind of what was the situation, then that was why they behave that way because they're insecure. Because if I let you in, then I'm going to be, you know, taken out. So if you have more women, that whole kind of scenario dilutes, uh, and it's not necessarily so strong.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a really good point, because there have been um, those studies out there that have shown that usually women who um, end up being promoted or get into a a senior management position or a board position, only ends up getting it by replacing a woman that was there in the first place. So it's much more of this revolving door. Mm -hmm. And that in itself does, I suppose, inwardly for that person, make them a bit more cagey about it. But has that, you know, is that getting any better? I mean, surely um, we have seen some uh, growth in terms of those boardroom numbers, those women at the top in terms of, uh, you know, leadership programs. Have you been seeing that actually come into fruition?
2: There, there does seem to be some evidence um, that the number of women in boards is increasing. But we certainly haven't reached a tipping point. It's still a very small subset of organizations that get there. For me, the irony of it all is if you have a single woman on your board for diversity, you are actually drowning that woman's voice. We know that if you're a single person who uh, represents a certain segment, you're not heard at all. So if, you know, your logic is that, well, we need more women to increase our diversity and then you have this poor woman sitting on the board alone, most likely, actually, her point is not getting across or men take over those points and run with it. You see all kinds of implications. So it is getting slightly better. It should get better for a business sense too, but it's not definitely prevalent.
0: Yeah, and I think um, there's been a lot of work done. And, you know, the, the great, I think it's really important to um identify progress and celebrate that you know and see the positives uh, things have got better but in terms of you know equal pay and senior representation on the boards there's still a lot of work to do i know that there's the is it the 30 club uh, you know yeah. and um i think i saw a couple of weeks ago that they have reached their kind of um objective but my understanding is a lot of those, um, you know, um, board-level um, positions are NEDs, uh, so non-executive directors. Uh, so whilst it's still really good, uh, you want the actual kind of positions on the board to be women doing the stuff and being responsible and having real kind of authority to kind of change that organisation and drive success. So um, lot of progress, uh, but lots still to do.
1: So what I find really interesting trying to unpack this, and it is a subject that I've looked in before, because we've all had those bosses, whether it's like a male boss, but also like women's boss, we, the fact that there's a queen bee um, analogy that is out there, we don't really have one for men, because there does seem to be this focus that especially if a woman boss is very stern or very direct or, you know, Again, that would be seen as a negative thing, whereas men, it's more, you're more assertive, you're more go-getting, you really, you know, get stuff done. So what are the kind of areas that are still maybe like, whether it's microaggressions or whether it's uh, smaller things, um, that enables this kind of mentality, this kind of nature within a woman when they rise up to foster?
0: Yeah, an, an area that kind of um, fascinates me is around this whole um, theory of you know confidence and the confidence gap, and I think that you know women do suffer um, from you know um, uh, you know a, a lack of confidence, and that's for a variety of reasons. It, it's the fact that um, you know from a, a young age you're told to follow the rules, and not show off, kind of you know do be a good girl and then if you are kind of there's only one of you on the board or on a team or a couple of you then you don't have that confidence that men have to kind of you know you don't feel as threatened you don't feel as insecure so maybe that is kind of why some women um kind of do behave in a more kind of um i don't think it's more aggressive i think the fact is they act similar to men but because it's a woman and she's exhibiting traits that aren't uh, necessarily feminine, then it's seen as, you know, stronger. When in fact, I don't think she's maybe you know acting any more assertive or aggressive than a man. It's just frowned upon more. So it's a kind of fine line between being confident as a woman. But how you exhibit that confidence isn't sadly, um, you know, welcomed as much as a man. For a man, it's normal. It's to be applauded. He's the leader. For a woman, it's... Oh, here we go again. Um, someone's being a bitch.
1: Yeah, pretty much. I mean, what 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 would women do in that situation though? Because there is that conflict that, like is saying, the women's voice gets drowned out in that being on that one person on the board. But at the same time, if you're too confident and you lean in, I'm using air quotes by the mm-hmm. way, listeners, <laughs> um, too much, it's then negative as well. What what would what, what would the advice be in yeah. the situation?
2: Well, I think that's why it's really important to step away from what the women could or should do and say what the organization could or should do. Because a lot of this is really around how the organization defined leadership in the first place. Uh, Most likely they used a lot of very masculine traits in defining their leaders. And then they asked women as they went up the ladder to be not feminine. Um, They would actually probably be be, they were be, being penalized for being feminine at times. And then just when you get at the top, you almost now say, well, yes, but now I want you to be show feminine behavior again. So I think it's a, it's a, it's a really fundamental issue of how do you define leadership in your organization. Another thing that we find, uh, and there's good evidence, there's, there's an article about this in the Harvard Business Review, success and likability goes, is correlated for men, and it's actually negatively correlated for women. Well, that's a really difficult barrier to go around. So, you know, you're essentially asking me, do you want to be successful or do you want to be liked? That's the question we're putting in front of people. So I think I find that really difficult too. Another thing that I uh, have heard people talk about, and it's a really interesting one, There's this concept called executive distance, meaning the more you go up, the more you get distanced from the base employees. Mm. While women are identified to be collective and have close personal relationships. So a man and a woman both go to the top level. The executive distance will be perceived as normal for the man, but for the woman, because we expect them to be Mm. more nurturing and closer have close relationships, it will be, you know, perceived much more negatively.
1: Mm. Well, yeah. on that point, I think we're um, just going on a break now and we're gonna be picking up on female relationships in workplace after this. So, picking up on those points about um, what the idea is between female leaders and obviously having that nurturing role and working with other women and especially lower down in the organization, I mean, this is a really key point that I think that, and it's always kind of a contentious one, is that when it comes to Queen Bee syndrome, I found um, from when we're looking at studies and also when you see it in the workplace that there seems to be actually... Quite a negative attitude, though, actually from women as well, not just men towards the women leadership and calling them the queen bees, but this kind of mistrust, this mutual mistrust from um, the, the colleagues that are maybe below um, in terms of seniority of the women leader. What's, what's the real deal behind that kind of toxic negative attitude between the women at the bottom and then the women at the top? Doesn't that foster that kind of behaviour as well?
0: Yeah. Well, I, for me personally, and um, I have experienced more positivity between women in my career than not. Uh, that's not to say, of course, that it doesn't exist. You know, I, I hear that kind of premise. Well, I've never experienced it, so it can't exist. But um, <laughs> which happens a lot, especially when it comes to diversity. <laughs> and uh, sometimes with women, you know, mm. um, it's a case of, well, I've got really to a really senior position. And I don't see, I haven't experienced any issues. So I can't really, I don't know what you guys are banging on about. Which is so disappointing because it's just because you haven't or you haven't seen yourself experiencing it. doesn't mean that other women don't, um, which is a bit unfortunate. But um, I've kind of uh, found that um, other women have been incredibly supportive and it's been down to very much a uh, kind of individual basis. I've had some great men bosses that had some really poor men bosses, and uh, likewise. Uh, um, but I'll, I, I don't know if you have, you probably have some intellectual, um, I'm sure, uh, th- your theory, but I, that's my experience.
2: I, I, I will actually, I will agree too. I didn't have a queen be um, challenge in my personal life. Um, I do also think we are being really harsh on these women. Because we know that both men and women are equally harsh on junior women. Mm-hmm. But I think when a woman manager does it, it's seen as more of a stab in the back, mm-hmm. right? You're one of us. Why are you really taking the stance? Um, another thing is I think we are being harsh on them because I suspect it's really lonely up there. Uh, so, you know, not only are they fighting against men, they are fighting against a lot of unconscious bias, a lot lot of conscious bias. They're trying to figure out who they are. We all try to figure out who we are as we go up the ladder. And they're in the spotlight because there's just so few of them. So I thought about this when I was coming here. And I said, as a junior woman, how would I deal with it? And I realized I actually wouldn't spend a lot of time thinking about the queen bees in my organization if there were some. What I would spend time on is which ones are the women that seem to be supporting the junior ones? Mm -hmm. Which ones are the ones that seem to be signing up for mentorship and more importantly, sponsorship programs, right? Which are the ones that seem to be really gung-ho about having events that help the junior? That's Mm -hmm. what I really would put my energy in. And I suspect this also will send a signal to the possible queen bees that actually if you do support the juniors, there is a return for you in that process. You get better recognition, you get better support. Maybe it pays to be nice. That's how I look at it.
0: Yeah, I think there's that, you know, I think it's also in terms of getting ahead, it's uh, seen as positive to be a mentor and to be championing other women. You know, there's obviously the famous Madeleine Albright quote, there's a special place in hell for women who don't help other women. Mm. And I think that over the last number of years, um, you know, women, because there's more of us in business, um, see the benefits. Uh, And in terms of you asked earlier about, you know, a practical kind of tip. uh, you know, mm. to kind of um, help each other and get your voice heard. Um, I read an article um, that Sue Unerman, and I think it's Catherine Jacobs, and they wrote The, ca- the Glass Wall, and um, it was a uh, practical tips to getting your voice heard, because often that starts with that, doesn't it? And one of the things is get a wing woman, or a wing man, but typically a wing woman. So if you, we've all been in a meeting where you say something, you have an idea, and uh, you know silence, and the next minute John says it, and it's like John, that's a great idea, and you're like, what? Uh, uh, am I going crazy? And um, Ugh, you know, so, <laughs> <there>. <laughs> Yeah. Sue so, so, so <laughs> and Catherine's tip was get a wing woman. Um, where if you do say a point, go, well, you know, I think uh, Liana's point was really valid. Can we just listen to that again? So you're working with each other to kind of you know, uh, you know, get your voice heard. Or, and, and I think that's something you know uh, if we all work together and I was at an event yesterday um, on you know, a monster confidence an event we, we do here and um, in the UK. and the lady was like, can we all you know support each other? you know that's the key thing. And uh, in the presentations we were given to young girls, it's young girls we, we do these confidence workshops for. Um, my kind of big point was you know be confident, uh, you know not arrogant. know you, that you can be vulnerable, but be kind to yourself. But also, please be kind to each other because you know we really are, you know, a lot stronger kind of working together, and, and that's men and women, you know. That's so, um, uh, I think, um, yeah, that's a point I would make.
1: Yeah, when it comes to mentoring, I do think that there's been a lot more, even just in the last 10 years, opportunities and understanding on mentorship and sponsorship than there's ever been before. I've probably, like, which I'm super grateful for, even the other day, um, I had a mentoring session. And that was my first one that I've had, yet very early in my career, I didn't. And I find that's quite interesting, because usually it's like the other way around. Um, But I think that, you know, when it comes to mentoring, there's always something more to learn. Are you seeing a huge crop up in these kind of understanding and mentorship programs and things like that? Um, or has it always been there, but we just haven't given it enough attention?
2: Um, there are there are mentorship programs. At CAST, what we did is last year, we surveyed all CAST women. Um, this is students, alumni, staff, to understand what they considered to be a successful career, what they considered as organizational and personal barriers and how we could help, mentorship came out quite high. Having said that, um, a lot of the conversation between people who work in this field is, we need more sponsorship. Mentorship is great and it helps you, um, you have a sounding board. uh, it helps you realize you're not alone, they can give you very good career tips, but at the end of the day, you're still responsible for moving on. Sponsorship means somebody is going to get up and say, this person needs to go up mm-hmm. and I'm fully behind that. And we really need that push. We need to find these people who are willing to stand behind a woman and say, she needs to go up and do this. And a lot of these sponsors can very much be men because they are in positions of power, they find a woman they, they mm. think is really good. But I, 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 I as much as I like mentorship, and I think it's incredibly valuable, I think if we're talking about progression and getting more women to the top, I will argue that we need more sponsorship. Yeah, I would kind of argue um, we probably need both,
0: because uh, I think um, um, we did some research at Monster as well, and it's really interesting, one of the key things that young generations that is Z, Z, said, um, men and women wanted was mentorship and um, we absolutely need that sponsorship as well but um, it was interesting coming back to that whole confidence piece is that what was interesting was young women and men well young women were very confident to speak up in meetings you know very confident to share new ideas but when it came to asking for a pay rise Um, They were not confident at all. So like, um, this is the second wave of this research. The first wave, 71% of um, the young women were not confident. Now, that was compared to the the guys who were a lot more confident. And this wave, which is a bit worrying, 87% of young women weren't confident to ask for a pay rise. So it's kind of, I think when it comes to the mentorship and the kind of um, practical tips that you mentioned, it's it's that kind of, you know, I'm having a problem and, and the mentor can go, okay, well, this is how you should approach it try this try that and then go away and tell me how you get on okay so it's kind of showing people that if you approach things differently or if you could take control you can make an impact and that is so empowering you know I had a mentor and he showed me a guy um, that I can like control not control but certainly influence things and whenever you're a young person that is like the most incredible insight you can have that you can influence so mentorship and sponsorship absolutely I agree are so critical
2: I'll, I'll say something that we were really surprised with. So one of our colleagues at CAS, uh, Amanda Goodall, did some research and, well, the title of the research is explanatory. Women do ask. Mm-hmm. So what they found is that actually women do ask, but they don't get. Yeah. So even mm. apart That's from the issue question. that a lot of women don't ask, among the ones who do ask, they disproportionately get rejected. Mm-hmm. So, and um it's 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 really problematic. But I think uh, mentorship and sponsorship all have complementary roles. I think one of them is really to help you through. And the other one is to send the organization a signal that you should be going through. Mm-hmm. That's how I kind of look at it. Yeah.
0: And of course, it's really interesting in terms of, um, you know, applying for jobs. We all know that kind of famous stat that Um, A man will apply if he has 60% of the skills, whereas a woman will only apply if she has 100. And um, people for a long time were like, well, that's a lot down to confidence. Um, However, I saw an article recently, which was it's not that women don't feel confident. You know, I think we're more quietly confident. Yeah, I could step up. It'll be a Mm. learning curve. But what this article was basically saying was that women are being taught to follow the rules. And um, if it says essential and we don't have it, then we just count ourselves out because this is how we're socialized. It's, you know, do the right thing, you know, follow the rules, be a good girl, don't show off. And it's very hard to kind of get rid of those shackles of, you know, um, I'm being a bit of a maverick here. So one of the things um, is, you know, don't follow the rules. Those rules were not meant for you. So don't follow them.
1: And in the exact same vein, I mean, with those job ads as well, isn't it just another thing that just seems to be shutting women out in terms of some of those um, some of those positions, especially the senior ones that have essential mm-hmm. or certain wording and things mm-hmm. like that? I mean, is that another barrier that you know enables well, <laughs> that kind of criteria? I mean,
2: suspect actually you have more to say on this, but a lot of organisations are becoming quite aware that the wording of their job at is very gender specific right uh, and and so i i think you're right it's there are such so many subliminal messages in that whole process another thing is how do you really get jobs at the high highest mm, levels mm-hmm. you don't really apply you see a job ad and apply for it they're
0: not advertise. you have a, you
2: have a strong network mm-hmm. mm. and you know joe or mary or whoever tells you that there's this job coming up and mm-hmm. maybe you should keep your eye out for it well women do not have as strong mm-hmm. networks as men do mm-hmm. so
0: because I think whenever you become maybe a CEO or you kind of join a company and you're building your team, you kind of want to you know, build um, a team that you trust and know can do the job. Mm. Now, historically, more men have been in positions, historically, more men have been in senior positions. So um, for that kind of level of comfort, you're going to bring guys across more than you know women, um, which isn't necessarily the right thing, but it's just and I, I guess this is where you have hope. Uh, because the more women, you know, become more senior, become more involved, then this will change. Now, will it change fast enough? No. Um, Do things need to be happening? Yes. And, you know, Amali Alves, who's CEO of Code First Girls, uh, um, she kind of, uh, she likens it really well. She says it's like a seesaw where one side is, you know, very heavily skewed, you know, it's totally the opposite. Um, You you don't change that seesaw. You don't become level by putting the same weight on both sides. Uh, So you have to kind of put initiatives in place to address this whole kind of issue of, you know, gender equality and progression, um, which is why, um, you know, we do need to do something. We
2: can't just wait for, you know, eventually we'll get there. Mm -hmm. It's too late. And talking about, you know, women in tech or Mm -hmm. what's happening in tech, something that's really interesting is that Amazon, I think, just announced last week that they have dropped an AI code Mm -hmm. because it was biased towards men. So we have women who are not uh, predominantly in tech, meaning they don't really balance it. Mm -hmm. And now we are talking about technologies that seem to select men because that's Mm. the data they have been built on. So we're looking at a very, very potentially dangerous picture because think about the fact that we may be going into job interviews probably much at the lower level where almost all of it is weeded out through technology up front. You don't even get a chance to meet the person during the interview process. So yeah. if, if that software is uh, biased, you have lost a game before you even entered it. Yeah, so uh, we do a lot of work
0: in tech. So I'm part of the Tech Town Charter, um, which I co-founded with a collective of women and mm-hmm. that's I just love. I just love having. I met some amazing women, and there hasn't been you know any queen bees in that situation. We've all worked together to create something. Seventeen percent of the workforce um, are in tech or female. That's all, and you know these biases. You know if you're a guy and you're writing code, you you code through your own lens. And of course, there's the famous example of Apple when it first launched its health kind of app. You know, that's, you know, comes standard in each iPhone. You know, it had all the kind of different things of the body, heart rate, all that kind of stuff. But the one thing that was missing was the menstruation um, kind of monthly cycle because the guys that were doing it were all Mm -hmm. men and they don't think about periods because it's not part of their kind of um, lens. And I think the whole kind of point, um, certainly for tech is, you know, if you don't have a diverse team, you are going to miss out on so many things, uh, and I've seen some of the arguments that you know if you have a diverse team, you have a mediocre team. It's not about lowering the bar to kind of you have a mediocre team because you are not seeing different problems and identifying them and then coming up with the solutions. Uh, so tech, which is shaping the world, uh, it's mm. so critical that we um, get more diversity in there. Um, so that's something we all have to focus on. And the Tech Talent Charter is uh, one of those um, kind of organisations that's uh, working with folks to try and do that.
1: Yeah. I was at Mobile World Congress, and there was a certain car company, um, and they were talking about trying to make it more diverse in order the engineers and everything. So they found out, you know, years ago that actually the airbags that they would use in their car would protect the. Men, if they crashed, would actually hurt women because not understanding the difference in the uh, female body compared to the men. Men would be fine if the airbag went off, but actually for the women, it was you know they crushed their rib cage, or break their arms. So that's that's so true. But um, going into the leadership side of it. What, what was really interesting, I read um, this kind of, I suppose, essay from a VP at Facebook, and she was um, brought up another kind of intersectional point about female leadership, especially in something like tech, is about the kind of neurodiversity, personality diversity that is not very prevalent especially in non-tech areas but in tech where there's a lot more methodical more data-driven um, professionals when they start rising up the top it's the louder ones it's the more overtly confident women especially that that seem to break through that you know proverbial glass ceiling whereas it's kind of difficult if you actually great your job but you don't talk about it more I mean What's the kind of, you know, the navigation that maybe a more introverted leader could, well, would be leader go for? Do they have to change themselves? I
2: will, I will argue that that's not only a problem in tech, and this is, I will say this as an experience as a professor at Cass. Um, I, I I teach in the executive MBA program, so these are people who have great functional expertise and now are preparing themselves for leadership roles, it's a huge switch no matter what function you're in. Because what you're asked to do at the lower levels is to be quite specialized, go quite deep, be quite technical. And when you're going towards leadership, now you're getting asked to be much more... Um, driven by communication, by by not only creating vision, but explaining that vision, m- making people believe in that vision. So I think in any kind of job, what you're prepared for at the lower levels is not exactly what is required of you at the higher levels. And we know there's a lot of uh, top manage- managers who are great functional specialists, but I'm not quite sure they are actually great leaders. They don't seem to have the interpersonal and communication skills. Mm. No, I would agree. And I think um, one of the things that
0: has been said about why women don't get to senior leadership positions across all industries is the fact that, um, you know, we may may work really, really hard. And we expect people to to acknowledge that and see that Um, we don't say how our work impacts the bottom line. And for those introverted people in tech or indeed across the board, is it an extrovert or introvert thing? I think it's a kind of behavior which is, you've got to tell people the impact that your skills and talent ha- has on the organisation. You know, you can't expect them. You know, um, you in a in an ideal world, they should see all the hard work and effort you put in. But they're busy, um, and um, you know, it's, it's the onus is on you. It is a very mild behaviour to go, hi, um, I did that marketing campaign, sales are up ten percent in Germany. Whereas for you know, that's just not natural for us. It has to be natural. So a practical tip for current leaders is, if you're if you have a team is to kind of ask each and every one of them what impact have you made in in a positive way so they don't feel uncomfortable it's just a natural way of kind of communicating because the loudest voice in the room who brags and says everything will always go well you've done all that great stuff I'll give you I'll make you I'll promote you next time so it's kind of how can we put that kind of you know cause and effect and teach folks who are introverted to kind of go don't feel uncomfortable by it it's just part of the process and enable them to kind of share that in a least least painful way because I know it's quite painful for people to kind of go hey I'm amazing
1: (laughs) well I think that is a great and empowering message to end on I just want to thank you both for joining us today on this podcast listeners don't leave yet Uh, don't forget you can find show notes and helpful articles under the work and management channel on uk.finance.yahoo.com and if you like this episode please rate, subscribe and tell your friends about us and while you're at it download the Yahoo Finance app for unparalleled access to data and alerts on the go
0: Yahoo Finance presents It's a Jungle Out There Produced by Liana Brinded and Caitlin Mercer Recorded, edited and mixed by Lolita Laguna and music by
2: Gregory Moore